Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Julie Keel, and my co-host is Jeff Sire. Hello, everyone. This week, we're going to be talking about an old movie, Metropolis. It's a um, German silent movie from 1927. And in it, the gleaming city of tomorrow has a dark underbelly where workers continually operate machinery that keeps the city running. And the privileged son of the city leader uh, eventually discovers its dark secret and then mediates when a revolt ensues. Uh, the mediator between head and hands must be the heart becomes the theme of the show. Uh, and the revolt is fueled by an android uh, made to look like a what had previously been a saintly woman, but the mechanical version is pretty much just the opposite. So it's a it's a bit of a uh, bit of a Frankenstein theme to it. Yeah, yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah, and there was a um, I just recently watched the Coen Brothers. Oh God, what was the name of it? Hudsucker Proxy? Does that sound right? Oh yeah, yeah. I've never seen that though. Yeah, um, and it reminded me very much of that one as well. Um, so it was an interesting show. Yeah. Um, it was the the uh, Netflix has the restored version, and apparently a good chunk of this um, show, this film, had been lost. Um, I, I I read uh, some stuff on Wikipedia, and they said that apparently in I think 2010 they found like a fully like a full print of it in I think it was Argentina. Yeah, somewhere in South America. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they worked those bits and pieces into this restored version, and you could tell every now and then you'd run across you know a few seconds that were yeah. just grainy as heck. Well, at the, at the start they actually said that the. When they were doing, when they were showing the places that had been replaced, that the text would be different. You could see that the writing, like the, was different in a few parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't paid close attention as to which part was which, but I think it was like uh, the more uh, kind of like blocky text was the ones where they they had put in the restored stuff. Right. Yeah, and you know they must they did a good job because I didn't really get distracted with the restored stuff it wasn't like a jerky where it was you know original and then restored and then back to original i mean you did notice that when it got really grainy but it's you still saw the story i mean um so it was really really good um and you know the all science fiction, I swear, has a, a moral to the story, <laughs> and uh, which is one of the reasons I like it. And um, you know, this one was very much—you didn't have to uh, search for deeper meaning. It was laid out right in front of you several times. The mediator between head and hands must be the heart. And yeah. um, they were. Um, this the movie was presenting this uh, son of the city leader as being the mediator between the the head which was his father that ran everything and and the hands which were the workers that kept the machinery you know operating and um you know he was the one who made them shake hands at the very end right but it was um this movie is way more about a social commentary 
yes, than it is true. about science fiction, I think. And it, it's it, like a, like most stuff, it's very much a product of its time. Like it, you can see, like it's really coming out of the major labor upheavals of the early part of the 20th century. Well, and I was trying to put it in context. 1927 in Germany. That was something else. Like, it was, I found it very creepy, the whole thing when they showed the uh, the people marching along underground thinking like, okay, 1927, the Nazis took over in 1933. So 10 years after that movie was made, they would have had death camps yep. up and running, right? And that... That whole underground thing with everybody just marching and regimented, you know, in lines and everything. What? Well, wow, that was yeah, that was and working till you dropped, creepy. and yeah. and being essentially, you know, there was a scene there where uh, it was basically human sacrifice, yeah. including oven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. So yeah. I hadn't put that together, but you're right. I was thinking more of the. Uh, you know, a bit of the Nazism, and certainly, you know, if you'd have put this in 1927 and said it was made in America, it still would have been very relevant, I think, because it very much was the Industrial Age. And this all is, of uh, the machinery in here is that very large industrial type of machinery. I I just read a book uh, about a month ago called uh, The Coming of the Third Reich, mm-hmm. and this really made, made me think a lot of that book, because... The author was making the point that um, we kind of tell ourselves that the Nazis came about um, just kind of as a fluke. And he really makes a strong case that, you know, this was kind of like the perfect storm in Germany for the Nazis. And he said, like, anti-Semitism, he makes a case that anti-Semitism didn't rise with Nazis. It was already there. Um, The willingness of German people to follow uh, just... The, the desire for order uh, was already there. They just took it. They took advantage of all of these things. And man, watching this movie, you could really see a lot of those things, themes that I just read in that book. Like, oh, uh, huh? Interesting. Well, one thing that I noticed, it stood out very much so because, uh, you know, we're here to talk about science fiction and the future and whatever, and everything in here, even though it's science fiction. It, you know, it, and it was mostly deemed science fiction because of the android machine right. man is what they actually termed it in the movie. But yeah. everything is 1920s. I mean, yeah. there's no technology. Yeah. In exactly. Here. I was thinking the same thing. Like it's you, you're expecting everything. Like nothing was spacey looking. It was it's such a different movie from what we consider a sci-fi movie today. Like even the the sofas and stuff like that looked like they were right out of your grandpa uh, grandparents' uh, uh, house. You know, like it was. You know, there there was. The clothes they were wearing were very plain, like even the the, the people who lived in the shiny city. Um, yeah, there were very little that really stood out as tech, right? Right, and it was supposed to be, you know, a few hundred years into the future, and it was, I mean, it was totally 1920s. The only thing that didn't look 1920s but looked like the hope of the 1920s is when they would show pictures of the city, and they would have elevated railways and, you know... Um, cars and you know uh, skyscraper office buildings with the windows and lit up and whatever but the um it uh, there was just nothing there as far as technology goes that was different it was you know all big machinery all clothes that we you know know and and was uh, appropriate to the time period so there was nothing futuristic about it at all yeah 
There was, what did you take from the, the 10 hour clock thing? Well, at first, when I first saw it, I thought, okay, well, they've just now, they, they run on this 10 hour clock, but then his wristwatch was like a normal analog 12 hour clock. And then they showed a couple other clocks were 20. I think the 10 hour clock was strictly the work day. Yeah. Shift. I think, you know, which it was weird because there actually have been proposals for 10 hour clocks. Right. But the, um, um, yeah, you're right. It was just kind of a, um, um, Prop, shall we say, to, yeah. to promote the uh, um, plot in the movie, I guess. Yeah, like the kind of being a slave to your job or something like that. Right, and the idea that it does, you know, you have to stay till the end of the shift, whether you know you drop dead or not. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Was very much like <laughs> they were slaves to the machines, right? Right. At least in the underground, so. Uh, what else was there? There was the video phones, which that was, I found that kind of strange. Cause like, did you notice they weren't actually, they had the, they had the video display, but they weren't looking at it. Well, I'm sure as a, as a prop, there wasn't anything being displayed there. So it wasn't yeah, anything for the actors to look true. at, but yeah. you know, this idea of a video phone has been around for so long, and we have the ability. I mean, right now, you and I are connected by Skype. If we wanted to, we could turn yeah. on our webcams and look at each other. We've chosen yeah. not to. Yeah. <laughs> and most of the time, you you do choose not to. Um, but the, the idea that um, everybody's going to have video phones, gosh, that's been around. I mean, the 1920s, they just barely had phones then. Right. You know, so... That that concept uh, is uh, approaching 100 years old. Yeah. The, the biggest piece of technology in here was um, the robot, or yeah. android, shall we call it, which was pathetic, <laughs> 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 because it, you know, it was you know 1920s uh, filmmaking. They basically did have oh some sort of um, costume that a person wore for a little while but then they finally got rid of that and just you know an actress was acting weird um why do you think because um because one of the big things that stood out with me for this was that they don't explain anything they just say okay here's the robot and then they're they're gonna uh they kind of copy the woman's face and body onto the robot and they don't explain it anything about what's going on where that wouldn't happen in a movie today like they would say they would even if it was just some this is gobbledygook tech to Techno explain babble. you know you know quantum mechanics and blah 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 there was no well i guess partly because of the silent film but there was no not even an attempt to explain what how this was working it was just kind of they show it and this is the way it is so. The um, the the there was a scene in there where it was kind of like a transporter, where you had yeah. the energy field, and you're right, there was just no yeah. explaining it. But um, it was, you know, one of the things that struck me about that is how, again, this is a 1920s movie, um, how old that concept of you know lights moving and flashing and energy fields doing whatever. Um, is, you know, so that, that 
trope or meme or whatever you want to call it has been around also been around a long long time yeah uh, you know the and the person it wasn't all that clear to me um from the movie this this lady that the movie somewhat centers around mm-hmm. um is first seen bringing children up from the depths to the light where only the privileged, you know, men of the city are allowed to be. And, and she, you know, basically pops out of the elevator with like, I don't know, 30 kids in tow and says, you know, these are your brothers. And they all chase her back down the elevator and make her go away. And that left an impact on the, the son of the city leader. But we have no idea who she is at that point. She's just this person. And then she's down in the depths of the um, the worker area, which is all underground, um, essentially being a prophet, prophetess. So, yeah. you know, um, that was kind of weird. And then as it turns out, this mad scientist that creates the robot or the android, um, you know, you get the impression that this woman is... The, the dead wife of the city leader that the mad scientist was in love with, that the son yeah. of the city leader had also fallen in love with. And you're like, who is this person? And I'm sorry, but the German name for her was H-E-L, yeah. which may be a short for Helen or something like that. But I kept calling her Hell the whole way through. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's short for anything. I think it's, I think that's it. Yeah. Which is an odd name, you know, lost in translation type of thing. So, but it was her person was really bizarre because of the relationships she was supposed to have with all these other people in the show. Yeah. You never quite knew. And, and once she became an android, you know, the evil android, um, yeah, it got really weird. <laughs> <laughs> It was, evil... it was really surreal. Like, yeah, it was very strange. And and the evil android was just freaky from an actress perspective. I mean, everything from the two oh, second yeah. long wink. Yeah, to... yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the expressions on her face oh, and everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was. And I, I will say one thing too. This was like a two two and a half hour movie, and with intermission, you know like they did back in the 1920s. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, this is so not like the Avengers or, you know, anything from the <laughs> modern day because it was like, okay, I'm okay, are we okay, we're moving on to the next scene. No, 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 we're still staring at each other. Come on, let's move on to the next scene. And it's like, yeah. okay, the pace of movies has increased significantly since then. Yeah. But um it's uh it, I it's it's not a knock against it, it's just, you know, a mark of the time, I guess. Right. So that's one thing that's changed as far as technology goes, you know, movie technology. Yeah. yeah th- that's probably the biggest uh, technology change in the whole film is the, just the, the, the movie side of it. Yeah, like the fact that we have sound now and uh, uh, color and better special effects and all of the stuff that goes along with that. Yeah, and we would have done it at the very least closed captioning as opposed to, you know, music, 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 okay, screen of text, you know. <laughs> um, right. So it was it was a little weird. But, you know, that's a silent movie. Uh, you know, the the uh, technology again, too, I mean, what really, one of the things that struck me is the fact that they had no vision of the future. I mean, essentially, if you're going out to create a science fiction movie, including, you know, androids, that 
the best you can come up with is the present day you know a, a cleaner more orderly version of the present day but you know workers big machinery danger rich folks you know separation between rich and poor um the same old social stuff that we will have in a couple hundred years i'm pretty sure um but don't you think we always do that yeah i, I yeah. know but, but there was like, just no vision of anything being different yeah well, I think, uh, like, like just spaceships in general, right? Mm-hmm. All of the spaceships that you see designed, well, not, not all of them, but I'd say most of them are designed kind of based on looking like aircraft, right? Um, they're aerodynamically shaped. Well, I bet when we actually get to the point where we're actually traveling from Earth to Mars or whatever, I bet that the the quote air quote spaceship that we use to to take that route it'll be assembled in orbit and it'll probably look a lot more like a garbage dumpster than <laughs> anything that we have as a spaceship because because the sci-fi that we're doing today we're filtering it through our own perceptions and something that flies through the air oh that should look kind of like an airplane right and that, and so as a result i think most of the sci-fi that gets made today is is kind of you know it's it's from our our perspective, right? Yeah, but the, like the flying saucer, the concept right. of the flying saucer has been out there for decades, generations, and we we still don't have a plane that looks like a flying saucer. I mean, yeah. even like a uh, an Apollo lunar um, module, you know, that splashed down in the ocean. Sure, it's round, you know, but it's more cone-like than a flying saucer-like. So, I mean, the the one thing that's like I say, that struck me about this movie Metropolis was the fact that there was just nothing that you couldn't have pulled out of your closet or walked down the street in 1927 and found, you know, very commonly. There was nothing out of, I mean, white tennis outfits and flapper dresses and, (laughs) you know, even the cars. The cars were all in their 1920s type of cars. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, as I think again, <laughs> we, I think all of our episodes will wind up touching on this. The, the fact that you know, science fiction has as much to tell us about uh, society as it does about tech, right. and um, it really, you know, it's it's sometimes the, the one hides the other, but this one, um, there wasn't a whole lot of tech to hide anything, so. Yeah, the crazy scientist had that uh, prosthetic hand, yeah. but that that really, it was just like a black glove. Right. Like there was nothing nothing more to it than that. Like, yeah, it wasn't like uh, Luke Skywalker peeling his skin back to reveal, you know, the inner workings of the yeah. hydraulics and stuff, you know, so. Yeah. Like they didn't even tape any, <laughs> like, metal rods on it or anything, yeah. you know. And even the android, once she, you know, made her conversion to the evil lady, um, there was nothing there other than, you know, her acting, the way she behaved to indicate right. that she was an And that was part of the movie. I mean, it was the idea that you couldn't tell one from another a little bit. Um, so there wasn't really anything, you know, technologically evident that um, she was different. So anyway, well, 
talk about failed predictions, and I guess I put down for this one that th- there really wasn't any failed predictions because they didn't make any predictions about the future. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that was in this one was either existing already or extremely, you know, timeless. You know, like the yeah. the um, you know massive amounts of workers to support a few privileged folks. That's just you know been around right. for millennia. Yeah. Okay. It's a neat, it's a neat uh, movie that kind of you know takes you back in time a little bit, and it kind of brings you back to the roots of science fiction. You know, science fiction hasn't been around forever. Um, yeah. It's you know, gosh, I got to think about that. It probably started in the 1800s. I think um, uh, the time machine. Yeah, I was going to say H.G. Wells. Would yeah, be that's probably what. Con- I, I would imagine that's probably considered one of the first science fiction stories. So this is, you know, within like the first, well, first hundred years for sure, you know, close to first 50 years of science fiction. And, you know, those early days of, of even H.G. Wells, some of those things, they're, they're dealing with, I mean, that's the whole steampunk thing going on right now. They were dealing with the technology they knew at the time to give them additional um, capabilities that they didn't have at the time. So right. anyway, well, good show. Interesting from a number of perspectives. Yeah, I would recommend anybody who's, a, especially if they're a movie buff, it's definitely worth seeing. Um, like, it'd be right, if you're the kind of person that would appreciate watching Citizen Kane for, like, uh, all of the changes that came about because of, in movies because of Citizen Kane, this is right kind of in the same vein as that. Yeah, it's, um, like I say... It's something to, uh, it's worth two hours just for the um, throwback experience. Yeah. So, anyway, okay, well, I think that wraps up the discussion of uh, uh, Metropolis. I love the name, too. That's too cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And next week, we're going to be talking about the movie based on the book, 1984. Um, So... It's been a while since I've read the book, and I'm not sure I've seen the movie. I've never seen the movie, and I read the book in high school. Yeah, so I actually... That, and that was more than five years ago. Ooh! Yes. I actually started rereading the book maybe a year ago, but I don't think I finished. So, And I doubt I'll finish before next week. So, movie it is. We're going to be talking about the movie in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I think that'll wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at scifitechtalk.com or follow us on Twitter at scifitechtalk. And if you have ideas or comments, you can send them to scifitechtalk at gmail.com. And Jeff, where can folks find you out on the internet? Internet. People can follow me on Twitter at uh, broncosire. And uh, I guess they could email me at uh, jeffsire at gmail.com. Sounds good. And I have a bit of an announcement. I did change my Twitter name today. (laughs) I did. I did. I'm messing with people's heads. I hadn't even noticed it yet. Yeah, it used to be at Bonnie Face, uh, but it is now at Julie Keel. J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L. And the same with my About.me page. That is also now at About.me slash Julie Keel. So, making the big transition. I haven't been Bonnie Face for 
number of years actually so we decided to retire her okay anyway so i think that's it for this show and we'll see you next week in the future